middle of the day, sunny. December 23rd, 2022. Man, the eve of Christmas Eve. It's quite cold out there. A couple of things to have fun with since uh, one, one, you know, as we head into the new year, we haven't resolved the issue of healthcare in the country by a long stretch. We love to use flowery phrases for it. We love to dance around it. We love to claim that someone's got the answer. And the progressive left loves this because they believe the only real answer is to ration healthcare and have government run it all. Because they love to throw phrases. And we've made healthcare so confusing that very few of us even understand it anymore. It's almost impossible. It's, it's, it's like a house of mirrors. You start to think you understand something, and then you bump into something. And, wait, wait, that wasn't right. And it, have you ever tried to understand a hospital billing? You know? It's more comfortable to give birth to a flaming porcupine. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. So there's a really good piece um, over at Real Clear Health. If you happen to want to look it up and follow along, it's not scripture, but it's very interesting. The seven healthcare phrases you should never say again by Jim Jusco. 50 years ago, the late comedian George Collin once explained the seven words you can never say on television. You know the ones. And then he went through them. But in honor of this famous 1972 album, my New Year's resolution is to stop saying certain words and phrases when talking about healthcare. Why? Because words matter. They shape our impressions, our understanding. And when they confuse or mislead, well, that's what happens in healthcare. The U.S. healthcare system, let's just kind of go through them a little bit. The U.S. healthcare system, it's not a system. It's a decades-old collection of programs, plans, payers, and providers that are mostly disparate and uncoordinated. No one would design the system that we have. You just wouldn't. Think about it. There is no U.S. healthcare system. It's not a system. The U.S. healthcare system, we provide sick care, not healthcare. Our medical institutions are designed to address sickness, and they do relatively little to prevent illness and generate health. True. It's like having a hot water heater, and you don't need to heat hot water. True. Employer contribution. Employers love when employees say, my employer pays my health care premiums. But employers are getting credit for something they don't deserve. We employees earn our compensation. In other words, but for the cost of health care, you could earn that money. So all of it, the salary, the benefits, the bonuses, the vacation, that's your compensation package. Every dollar an employee contributes for employee health care comes from compensation. So never say that employers are giving you health care. They're not. None of your employees are giving you health care. That's yours. That would, it could be your salary. Think about that. Those thousands of dollars, that could be your salary. So employer contribution, no such thing. It's the employee contribution. Payers. Among those well-versed in health care ease, payer means a health insurance company or government health care program. But the concept is completely wrongheaded. Health insurers aren't paying those of us who pay health insurance premiums are the payers. Insurance companies mostly process payments. You pay. They process. They use your money. Same goes for a program like Medicare. The American taxpayer is the real payer, not the government. You're the payer. Doesn't matter where it comes from. But it's you. You. There is no other payer. You. Now, you may be paying for other people's health care via government taxpayer subsidies, but it's still we the people. It's not magic money that's out there paying for this stuff. The high cost of healthcare. First, let's clarify. Cost is the amount of money it takes to produce what you're buying. Price is what you pay. Makes sense, right? 
While the prices at many hospital systems are in the stratosphere, the costs to provide the care are not. So it's no surprise that for decades, with all of their profits, hospitals have kept healthcare prices a secret. PatientRightsAdvocate.org, a leader in the fight for our new healthcare price transparency laws, reports this. Get this. This is an unreal stat. Only 16% of hospitals are complying with price transparency laws. 16%. That means that almost 9 in 10 hospitals in this country, including ones in North Carolina, are not abiding by those laws. As a nation, we spend more than twice what other developed countries spend on health care. It's the high prices of health care, not the cost, that are responsible for what Warren Buffett calls the tapeworm of the U.S. economy. So it's not the cost of health care. It's the secrecy of prices. Reimbursement. The word reimbursement. Don't we love that? Well, I get reimbursed or you're going to be responsible for reimbursement. No other industry uses the term reimbursement to refer the payments that generate revenue or profits. Reimbursement is what happens when we buy pizza for the school fair, and the PTA then reimburses you for the cost of the pizza. Healthcare euphemisms such as reimbursement perpetuate the quaint and false notion that providers are simply looking to break even and that they're altruistically providing these. Today, money that goes by the nickname reimbursement generates outsized revenues well in excess of cost for many large hospital systems. In a country where medical debt is a major cause of personal bankruptcy, we need straight talk. Healthcare providers are paid. They are not reimbursed. Coinsurance. You know, how many of you actually understand what coinsurance is? I've been in this industry for a while. Doesn't make a lot of sense, even to me. No other form of insurance has both me and my insurer sharing the payment of my claim. My insurer, Anthem, they say, has nearly $800 million in net assets per member. Isn't that enough to cover all the risk of my healthcare cost? If I cause a car accident, my auto insurance policy doesn't pay only 80% co-insurance share of the cost. In fact, state law requires that I have full liability coverage every time I get behind the wheel of my car. Why don't we demand full coverage from healthcare plans? Why do they get away with this 20% stuff? Shouldn't be any such thing. You're not a co-insurer. So what should we use in place of these words and phrases? Well, first, we need insurance that fully protects us against catastrophes, not co-insurance arrangements that leave us exposed and that we can't afford. And whether it's taxes, salary, contributions, premiums, deductibles, you and I are the payers, nobody else. Look around. That's who's paying for health care. Second, let's never be tempted to imagine that healthcare companies are reimbursed for their cost. Like any business, they want to be paid the prices they charge. Purposeful uses of these words purposeful uses of these words will add clarity to the public debate about how we might actually achieve a healthcare system worthy of the name. Failing to do so will leave us stuck in a place where Carlin's seven words are all we have to describe the healthcare system in this country. And again, it's not a system. But we do, again, you're saying, well, why would you talk about this the day before Christmas, Chad? This sounds so negative. This, no, this is an opportunity. Every time you have something like this, it's an opportunity to improve upon it. And, and we, we need to quit thinking that our politicians are the ones that are going to provide some kind of solutions. Do you really feel, Republican or Democrat, those are the people that are going to provide solutions to this country's problems from any legislative hall in the country? The number one thing they can do is get the hell out of the way. That's the truth. 
the day before Christmas, the reality, the cold, hard truth is you need to get out of the flipping way. You need to go in there. You need to gut most of those laws that are in there. You need to make us a less litigious society. We don't need more lawyers. We need fewer of them. We need fewer things in the courtroom. We need fewer judges out there that have eight-year terms and can go on forever. We need a better system. We need less government in our lives. It's time to tear the damn thing down. You would never build a healthcare system like this. You would never build this society the way it currently is right now. You wouldn't build that on purpose. You would never build it on purpose. You would never build a tax code that nobody can understand. So the greatest New Year's Eve resolution we should all have collectively is to tear some stuff down. And I don't mean violently. I'm not urging. You know, the liberals would get all bent out of shape and start holding hearings, right? We're saying, don't believe that government's going to solve your problems. They're terrible at it. Look at Seattle. Look at LA. Look at, look at the largest cities in the country. And then ask yourself, is government really solving the problems in those cities? City of LA declared a state of emergency. They clearly don't. Chicago should declare a state of emergency. It's a flipping nightmare out there. A chilly, blustery day. Chad Adams, your guest host here, WBT. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. You want to get on the conversation? 704-570-1110. I have plenty to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Best audience in the state. George, one of those listeners, called in. George, what's on your mind today, man? Yeah, man, you're hitting on all nines on, on this energy thing. You know, how many acres of farmland does it take to build a solar farm or, uh, you know, with solar panels or a wind farm? Secondly, most important, everybody on the news, on talk radio and everything, they focus on the price of gas, which is true. However, where do we get plastic from? It's a petroleum product, man. There are no plastic trees out there the last time I looked. Nope. There's a whole bunch of things that we have that are made from petroleum-based and if you took everything out of your house that was made from petroleum, what would you have left? <laughs> You'd have a house that leaks. You'd have, I don't and even you know, know. I'm building a house if, now. If It'd be a mess. Oil and, and, and everything else. Were well, we going to light our houses with, we're going to go back to whale oil? No, well, we can't do that nope. because uh, there aren't enough whales left. It, you know, and, and yet, it, you, you, it, it, if you follow this to the logical conclusion, it's very much, you know, this primitive, very primitive life for those that don't die in the process of saving the planet. So there you go. That's their, it's a church <laughs> yeah, of climate doom. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're focusing on this and the way you are. Thank you. Well, well thank you, George. Merry I appreciate Christmas. the call. <laughs> and Merry Christmas to you too, man, and everyone else. So George is right. I mean, the ultimate goal is just make it expensive and and it, don't make no mistake. A lot of the Church of Climate do taken to its logical conclusion is the eradication of three or four billion people on the planet. That the only way to really save it is to get rid of a lot of us miscreants that happen to inhabit it. These walking primates that are out here that can converse and burn things. So if we get rid of that, then the planet will be okay. Never mind you, the planet's still going to be here. You know, it's just, it's just this, this, 
bizarre belief that the planet is somehow uh, uh, the planet itself is a being that has feelings and stuff. It's it's just bizarre. It's a it's a sickness, and it it it, it does take on it, the feel of a cult. And and on that, let's talk about this hot and cold stuff because it's important. Where it's really cold in Charlotte, there's a lot of people's lives that could be endangered. You know, homeless folks and some other things. But if you looked at who, where more people are likely to die, you know, in the global warming thing, cold deaths, people who die due to, and I'm talking about the disease, I'm talking about exposure and, and, and cold temperatures, vastly outweigh heat deaths. It's common knowledge in the academic literature. And for instance, even the Lancet Medical Journal finds that each year, almost 600,000 people die around the planet due to heat-related issues. But 4.5 million people die due to exposure to cold. Moreover, when the researchers include increasing temperatures a little bit over the decade, they find that deaths increase, but cold deaths decrease more than twice as much. In other words, if it were a little warmer, fewer people would die. That, that's something that doesn't, get, that doesn't resonate very well, does it? Fewer people would die. And you would think that would be a good thing. Quality of life goes up, fewer people would die. And, and from 2000 to 2003 to 2016 to 2019, the global excess death ratio changed. Anyway, you're not going to care about that. The point is the total impact of more than 116,000 more heat deaths each year and almost 283,000 fewer cold deaths. So there would be 166 fewer deaths each year if it were a little warmer. And I'm not saying we go out and try to make the planet warmer. The point being... The news media rarely tells you about that. They rarely tell you. What if we could grow crops in Canada? Was that is that you know if, if you're worried about food shortages, wouldn't be able to grow more crops be a good thing? Has the planet been warmer in the past with living things on it? Yes, it has. Did life was life more abundant when it was warmer? You could say yes, it was. Extremes don't do anyone a lot of good, but these this climatological as if there's some they want you to believe that there's some magic temperature that the Earth has been in in the past, the distant past, the recent past that somehow was magical and it wasn't changing. But the Earth's temperature and climate change is constantly evolving and changing. Two or three volcanic eruptions, you could have snow in July. You could you could reflect enough heat. You could so. I, I try not to get bent out of shape. It's it's easy to do that. And there are real legitimate impacts. In fact, yeah, you know what? I want to get to it, but I'm going to have to wait. I do want to get to a story on the other side of the break. I want to get to it. Uh, I'm still going to get to the mosquito story, but I also want to get to about the cost, the cost of, of heating your home and stuff. It's it's unbelievable uh, the amount of energy, I mean, and, and the cost that it's going to take to do a lot of things. So, Right now, I do want to mention and appreciate this. WBT welcomes the Light the Nights Festival, where you can make merry memories at Truist Field. Now through January 6th, there's an ice skating rink, snow tubing hill, plus enjoy lights, show, live entertainment, holiday treats, Christmas trees, shopping, Santa, and more. Brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. Share the warmth. And you're going to have to share the warmth. In fact, you know, you might want to adopt the buddy system over the next few nights. It's going to be bone-numbingly cold, especially especially in this part of the world where it doesn't get that cold, at least not this early. It may happen, but we're used to January or February, not the second day of, of winter. Uh, to have this 
unbelievably cold mass that's moved down on top of us. So do please be careful out there. Uh, take cover if you, you know, find find a way. Make sure you've got power, some way to heat and uh, be safe because it's going to be cold. I don't like you know I I uh, there's just so much interesting stuff out there. I you know. I, I do want to get to the call. You know, the cost of gas has gone up. It's cheaper now than it was. It's more expensive than it was when Biden took office. I love how when the, when the gas prices were going through the roof, the president was never at fault for any of that. And now the gas prices are coming down. All the Democrats want to run and say, look, Joe Biden brought down the price of gas. The strategic petroleum reserves have been d- deflated. We have hardly any left. He hasn't done really anything to help the situation. He's making it more difficult for us to explore our own. The greatest way for prices to come down is to have more competition. The more Americans produce, it's not that we used all of the stuff we produced. We put it on the global market and capitalism did a lot of the rest. When you restrict that, you constrict that. You don't get as much out of it. I do want to get to what this is going to mean this winter and what has happened to folks. And it's, it's something to think about as we're in the season of giving and thinking about other folks what policies, because the real impact of these policies are life-threatening and costly to many people. We're going to take a break. Live. Chad Adams here, having a blast. It may be chilly outside, but it's warm in here, and I'm having a lot of fun. I tell you, more fun than you could imagine. Just watching the wind. I saw a bird go by. <laughs> it flew by. It flew by the studio here. It was remarkable. It looked very confused and dazed, as if, what the hell? It's windy out here. Glad to have you uh, part of our show today and you know, having fun conversations. I will be, by the way, joining this amazing enterprise that you guys know as WBT and the Pete Callender show next week as Pete will be taking some well-deserved time off. So you will hear from me again. And if you love it, fantastic. If you don't, I hope you'll fall in love with it because it is an honor and a pleasure. Now the once in a generation storm sweeping across the nation. This from CNN. This is it's interesting. CNN, you know, from a, from an opinion standpoint, never acknowledges the actual reality of, of almost anything. There is no situation with China. There is no problem at the border. You know, the Hunter Biden laptop, 50 U.S. Intel officials said it wasn't real, so it wasn't real. So much, they, they live in this alternate reality from an opinion standpoint. And, and MSNBC can join them. I can't make the distinction. I can't drive a wedge between those two. They're just so tight. In fact, the surgical procedure to remove the nose of one from the rear end of the other would be very difficult and painful. Now, having said that, let's go to this story, which is actually a story, not an opinion piece. The once-in-a-generation winter storm sweeping across the nation will force Americans to crank up the heat at a time when it's become increasingly expensive to do just that. Do you hear what they're saying? It's going to be expensive. Why is it expensive? Why is it expensive? Even before this historic winter storm emerged, exports, experts, <laughs> you know what an expert is, right? It's a leaky faucet with an unknown in front of it. Expert uh, emer- warned that home heating costs would jump this winter to the highest level in more than a decade. The average cost of home heating is projected to jump, increase by 17.2% from last winter to $1,200, according to a November report from the National Energy Assistance Directors Association. The cost to heat homes is expected to be 
35.7% higher this winter than when Joe Biden took office, that report said. More than 100 million people across the U.S. are under winter weather and wind chill alerts. The National Weather Service is describing it as a once-in-a-generation type event. Global warming notwithstanding, of course. The spike comes as prices for natural gas, the most popular way to heat homes in America, have skyrocketed. Energy prices have also climbed sharply. Homes that rely on natural gas for heat will spend an average of 25% more this winter. Now, as I'm going through this story, what I want you to think about, and I hope you're comfortable and I hope you're fine and, and, and I hope your family's okay. Who wants the energy prices to be higher? Who benefits from that? Who has wanted, who benefits if gas prices were seven, eight, nine dollars a gallon? Who benefits? And I'm not talking about, I, the left would say, little oil companies will make billions of dollars. The, the global climate, whatever, wackadoo left wants this. They want it to be expensive. They want you to not use it. They want it to be fabulously expensive so that you'll be forced into these extremely expensive ways of producing electricity that are not efficient and don't work very well. But if you make normal, affordable energy like nuclear, even coal, if you make natural gas and all so expensive, the only thing you've got left is their cockamamie ways of producing it with 800 foot tall or 607 whatever windmills that'll work when the winds are blowing not when it's not and solar panels that work when the sun's are shining and not when it's not and where you can clear cut clear cut thousands of acres clear cut it clear cut it and put solar panels that do have a life expectancy and need to be put in landfills one day and windmills that break down and sterilize the environment and make it dangerous for anything living to be there so who benefits? So home heating oil, natural gas, it's hurting. They, they claim, the left claims it cares about the poor. You know what it's done? It's made the poor dependent. It's made them dependent. It's taken away their will to dream. It's taken away their desire to be free. They've become dependents on government programs. We used to, as, as society, really our, our towns, even our cities, we cared about the people. We cared about the people walking in the streets. We cared about the people. You know, you, you, you knew who they were, especially in small-town America. You wanted to help those people down on their luck. Maybe they have a substance abuse problem, whatever. Something bad happened in their life. But now we see somebody on the street, and we, we've become numb to it because we know there's a government program out there, right? We know that... That the, oh, if only they'd go get that program. Well, a lot of them have substance abuse problems. They can't get the program, or they're, they've wasted stuff, or they're using, they're making $10, $20 an hour, begging on the side of the street and playing on your heartstrings. And it's not, it's not a cycle that's healthy for us or them. It's not a cycle that's good for society. And it's made us much colder as individuals. I'm not talking about temperature-wise. I'm talking about deep in our souls. It's made us colder. More than 100 million people across the U.S. are under winter conditions, and a spike in natural gas has surged. Homes that rely on natural gas will spend on average 25% more this winter, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration projected last month. Those that use heating oil are going to spend 45% more than last winter, and electricity is going to be up 11%. 
but heating bills will only get more expensive if the winter proves to be colder than expected. For instance, the EIA warned that average household that uses natural gas for heat will spend 37% more than last winter's if temperatures are 10% colder. Heating bills could spike by 52%. Those are incredible. Those are mind-numbing numbers. And, and it, but for most of us, it gets glossed over. Consumers were feeling sticker shocking before the winter began. Prices for utility gas spiked 15.5% year over year in November, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Electricity prices up 14%. Home heating costs are becoming increasingly unaffordable for millions of lower-income families. As of August, about one in six U.S. families were behind on their utility bills. One in six. One in six. 20 million households are behind on their utility bills. Who do you, now, blaming someone. You know, our society, we, we love to increasingly have this binary way of looking. They're the bad guys. We're the good guys. They, the social media is just full of you don't You don't win arguments on social media. You just take shots at people. They take shots at you. take shots at them. It's, it's a largely unprotected. I will say since Musk took over Twitter, it's much better than it was. It's far, far better than it was. But still, it's, it's, it's just people taking shots. There's not, there is some good debate, but you really have to hunt for it. And in the situation, we really should be finding ways to provide cheap, affordable natural gas. We should be finding ways to make sure people can heat their homes. We should be exploring and creating competition and driving prices down instead of declaring war. Think about who, is, who are the people that have declared war on the people that provide all of this to families that desperately need it? That's the political left. They have bastardized these people. They have demonized the people who produce all of this, and those products save human life. They keep you alive in cold times. And that it just it's just kind of tragic to me that that twenty million households are behind it, and the, the, it is not necessary. We the, it doesn't need to be this expensive. These, these non-competitive, egregious overreach, massive, they're making it more difficult, adding layer upon layer of regulation, making it more difficult to produce it here in this country. We have so much. We have an abundance of it, but we can't get to it, or we're being prevented, or we're being slowed down. And people say, well, they, they approved all these leases, but think about this. If you're an oil company that relies on exploration, and, you, and the, the regulatory environment becomes so expensive, you don't do, though, you don't do risky things. You do less risky things. You're less inclined to explore. You are more likely, especially in these economic times, you're, you kind of protect you protect your your interests. You try to shrink your company just to survive. And the shrinking of companies like this that provide are hurting other people. There's no there's there's not an electric car out there that's going to go heat your home. <laughs> We're going to have more fun with music next week. I guarantee you. I know. I know his creativity. Appreciate him. I appreciate the entire staff, by the way, at WBT. They've been fantastic to me. And uh, as always, roll out the red carpet and fantastic audience and, and the opportunity to work with great people. Uh, it is, it is, it is, a, it's, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Every time the mic goes hot, an angel gets its wings, right? So uh, definitely appreciate that. Also want to get to the killer mosquitoes. Remember, we started the show talking about how Fauci 
had said it was on Twitter that he believes we're entering this this horrible age, this anti-science age, uh, you know, and it's 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 basically him kind of feeling pathetic about himself and expressing this 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 chagrin. But the problem with that narcissism is he believes he represents he is the the definition of science. When he speaks it, it's it's real and it's there is no there no, no nothing to debate. I. The opposite is 100% true. Science continues to evolve and become better. We live in a miraculous time where amazing things are happening from immunological research to cancer research to getting to Mars to to hypersonic travel. We've talked about this, the production of energy. There's so much if government can get out of the way and if the loons don't run the machine. If they don't, we're going to be okay. If not, it's going to be kind of kooky out there. So having said that, the headlines what caught my attention, and I always like to end the show usually on a little bit of levity. The this is the, the headline: super disease carrying mosquitoes detected in Asia. The mutations found in these mosquitoes could pose quote unquote an unprecedentedly serious threat if they spread further. And by the way, they will. They'll end up on an airplane. They'll land in Charlotte, you know, and then there'll be a mosquito out here that's that's, that's resistant. Researchers in Japan say they've discovered super resistant mosquitoes in Asia. And what we mean by super resistant is the stuff you spray them to kill them doesn't work anymore. In a study published this week, they detail finding populations of Egypti, which we have in this country. It's a version of mosquito, a common disease vector mosquito in Vietnam and Cambodia carrying several mutations believed to confer strong protection against insecticides. The discovery should merit urgent action to prevent these from spreading globally. They're one of the most prolific sources of human misery, these mosquitoes, in the world, thanks in part to the wide assortment of germs they can transmit to us. And down here at the coast, they, they're big enough that I feel like they can carry you off into the woods at certain times of year. As Mike Doan said, not around today. <laughs> one, one of the greatest things, when it's cold, good to kill mosquitoes or keep them away. They're in hibernating, I guess. These mosquito-borne build, uh, diseases include yellow fever, dengue, zika, chikungunya, to name a few. The global presence of this mosquito and another species and the diseases they spread has expanded in recent years. Many experts expect their range to grow wider over the coming decades as the climate continues to warm. There you heard it. Climate change. Good for mosquitoes. Bad for you. Wait till they put that in a commercial. Good. So everything about climate change is always negative. And now it's going to breed mosquitoes that are going to kill you. Now, the good news, see, the climate change people should like that. It'll kill more people. Climate change. It's because we have jet aircraft that go all over the world now. It's not because the mosquitoes are building boats and exploring and colonizing places. They're hopping on versions of transportation. It's how rats and frogs, it's how come we have coquille frogs from Puerto Rico in Hawaii now. They hitched a ride and they found a way to fall into the jungles. So it's not unusual. These findings published Wednesday in Science Advances might add yet another concern to an already serious problem. Uh, uh, southern and eastern parts of the United States will have these disease. They believe they're going to pop up here in North Carolina, amongst other places. The research was led by scientists from Japan's National Institute of Infectious Disease. Not to be confused with the Wuhan disease lab that likely turned loose upon the world <laughs> the scourge known as COVID that somehow the Democrats don't want to get to the bottom of learning the origins of, but they should. So anyway, they, what they did was they went through and they found these mosquitoes that have a genetic deformation in them. And if I went through it, you'd be widely bored out of your ever loving minds. But when they found it, they found that these mosquitoes, when you sprayed them with stuff that we're used to dealing with mosquitoes, it didn't really affect them. 
mosquitoes were like, hey, can I have another? Very much uh, in line with what happens when you have things that evolve and, and insects evolve uh, pretty quickly. They are developing non-insecticide technologies that might someday better keep mosquitoes in check, like using a sterile insect technique. Maybe little condoms for mosquitoes. Maybe they can do family planning <laughs> for mosquitoes. Uh, I'm kidding, but I'm not. They actually are looking at steril trying to sterilize these guys. There's also a newer class of insecticides called neonicotinoids that's beginning to be deployed most often against mosquitoes, but those chemicals are controversial because they can also affect pollinators. You don't want to do that. The point of the matter is we're living in an evolving world still. Things change. They don't always remain the, the same. That's the only thing that is constant in your life is change. No matter what, no matter what your avocation, you personally are changing day by day. The situation on the ground is changing. The realities are changing. The animals are changing. Make friends with change, and you'll be pretty good in life. Having said that, do hope you guys all have a Merry Christmas. Hope you have a, a blessed time. I do hope you're able to enjoy it, the degree to which you can appreciate life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with family, friends, those you care about. Not always necessarily your family, but uh, I hope you can. I hope you do have some challenging conversations around the dinner table. We need to have more of those. It's not personal. It's productive if you do it right and you're tolerant. The left isn't. Teach them to be tolerant. Have them understand things. Allow them to be tolerant because that's the only way we kind of get through this thing together. Uh, this is my first Christmas without my parents. They both died in the past year and a half or so. February 19th of 21 and February 19th of 22. So it's a different viewpoint for me as well. And I'm still thankful for all the friends and family I still have. You folks have a very Merry Christmas. I'll talk to you next week, right and early. Chad Adams, guest hosting for Pete Cowder. Have a great weekend and a Merry Christmas. 